Well, we're in Genesis 31 as we work our way through the scriptures. Uh, Genesis, I have thoroughly enjoyed. Great book. Great book. But we're in chapter 31. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 42. God has blessed Jacob. He's given him many sheep, many goats, numerous livestock, several wives. I mean, what, what more could you? <laughs> but Jacob has asked for the spotted, the speckled, the brown sheep, and they're greatly multiplying. And that's his portion. That's his wages. And in chapter 30, verse 43, we read that Jacob became exceedingly prosperous. Uh, scripture's a way of saying very rich. Laban, his father-in-law, Jacob is also married, very wealthy also. And everyone has abundance in that family. But envy will not allow Laban and his sons to enjoy their wealth. Ecclesiastes 2.24, it says, There is nothing better for a man that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy the fruit of his labor. And this is from the hand of God. So we are to enjoy the fruits of our labor. But envy will rob us if we're not careful. It will rob us of our joy. It will rob us of our happiness. And it forbids us from being content. And of course, Scripture talks about us being content and satisfied. So, Genesis chapter 31. Let's look at the first three verses. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable towards him as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. It's always good to hear God say, I will be with you. But word has reached Jacob that his brothers-in-law, Laban's sons, are envious of him. Not only Laban's sons are envious, Laban himself is also envious, even though Jacob has worked for him and made him wealthy. Envy and jealousy, they go hand in hand before our destruction. And in our story of Laban and Jacob and their families, there's no one that is lacking. They are wealthy families. Laban is very wealthy. So is Jacob. It says he's exceedingly prosperous. But envy is not related to our needs in any way. Envy is a discontented, callous heart coveting the possessions or talents of another person. In James 3.16 it says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing will be there. 
and James knew what he was talking about. It has been said of America that envy and greed are the accepted sins of America. The accepted sins of our society. Merchants base their sales upon more is better. I bet none of you have ever had a salesman say to you, uh, you have enough, I don't think you need to buy my product. No, (laughs) they don't function that way. In fact, there's a Jaguar commercial on TV right now where the husband husband and wife go for a test drive and And of course, they said, oh, they both bought one. Oh, yeah, give me a break. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway, but if we're not careful, we can begin to accumulate things, not necessarily things that we need, just more things. Our attitude towards investments and needs, they're all askew. They're, they're, they're really confused in most Americans' lives. We say things like, I need a new pair of shoes. I doubt it. You want a new pair of shoes. And I fall right in there. I, I admit I've said that before. Uh, or we, we can say things like, I think I'll invest in a fishing boat. If that's really your idea of investing, I've got some beachfront property in Arizona that I'd be willing to part with this morning. Lori and I, we we try to have a policy out on our little house and farm. No new items in the house, no new items for the farm unless we're willing to part with an older item. Nothing wrong with upgrading, but don't just get to be getting. So many times we find ourselves giving away things where we can get more things. (laughs) But we are to enjoy the fruit of our labors, i.e. our possessions. If you can afford it, I don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as you know it's within your means. But never allow your possessions to own you. In days gone by, there was a custom in the Far East. If the king loved you, if you were considered his friend, he would give you one elephant. Elephant was a great work tool. I mean, they just made life easier in that society. But if he gave you two elephants, he disliked you. Because now all your time will be spent maintaining the king's gift to you of two elephants that you can't get rid of the other one that you don't need. And so if you were not his friend, you got two elephants. Laban, he is giddy happy when Jacob suggested that his wages be the streaked and the spotted and the brown uh, sheep. But now Laban's sons, they're full of envy and hate towards Jacob. And Jacob is the one that has made them rich. Laban and his sons are very wealthy. They lack nothing. 
Yet because Jacob is also exceedingly prosperous, envy and jealousy. Envy has robbed Jacob, uh, not Jacob, but Laban. It has robbed him of happiness. So much so to the point that he cannot even be pleasant towards Jacob. It says that his countenance is not pleasant towards Jacob. Now, countenance is nothing more than a facial expression of how we feel inside. Frown, that's a sad countenance. Smile, happy countenance. And Laban, he's walking around pouting. You know what a pout is? That's putting out that bottom lip. That's a pout. And when he's around Jacob's, he can't even be pleasant. And God gives Jacob a dream, and he tells him, Return to the land of your fathers, and I will be with you. It's time for Jacob to leave his father-in-law, Laban. He served Laban for 20 years now, and uh, Jacob is only 95 years old at the time. So we pick up the conversation now that Jacob has with his wives, and we pick it up in verse 4, and we'll read through 21. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock. And he said to them, I see your father's countenance that is not favorable towards me as before. But the God of my father has been with me, and you know that with all my might I served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then the flocks were bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaks shall be your wages, then all the flock bore streaks. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked and speckled and gray-spotted. And then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift your eyes now and see the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled and gray-spotted, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there still any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken from our father are really ours and our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Then Jacob rose and set his son and his wives on the camels. And he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had gained his acquired livestock, which he had gained in Padan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, unknown to Laban the Syrian, 
and that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed towards the mountain of Gilead. Jacob has a committee meeting with his with his wives, and it's it's sad when you you call a family powwow just to talk to your wives. Nothing, however, unites like a common foe. Jacob's wives, they're with him. They are in agreement that their father Laban has wronged Jacob, and by wronging Jacob, he has wronged them. Verse 15, we are considered strangers by dad, for he has sold us and completely consumed our money. Jacob, he confides in his wives, and he tells them, an angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream. And God told Jacob, arise, get out of this land, and return to Canaan, your father's house. Jacob's wives give their consent, and they tell Jacob, whatever God has said to you, do it. That's good advice, by the way. I say to you, whatever God has said to you, do it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Nike didn't come up with the, uh, the slogan, just do it. It was long ago before Nike. But Jacob's wives have given their consent. Strife has come to the family. It has come between Father Laban and their husband Jacob. Laban daughters, they agree with their husband Jacob. And it's time for him to leave. When things are going along smoothly in our lives, and everything is hunky-dory, and the dory is a little boat behind a bigger boat, we are, we're reluctant to change. When things are going along smoothly, we don't want to rock the boat. We, we like uh, peace and tranquility in our lives, and we like it when things are going good. But it's time for Jacob and his family to go back to Canaan, and God allows unrest to come into that family. There's tension in the family. And I, I believe God is certainly, if he's not the author of it, he's sure allowing this tension to be there. Envy by Laban and his sons is causing Jacob and his family and his wives grief. The word of God is to leave Padan Aram. And it's welcomed by Jacob, and it's welcomed by his wives. When Lori and I left California, seems like many years ago. Well, it was many years ago. <laughs> and when we come to Alabama, it was time for us to leave California. We left what I consider one of the most respected churches that I personally had ever attended. We had many close friends there. But it was still time. It was clear. It was time for us to leave. The time had come for us to step out and, I think, do what God had prepared us for. The beauty of that is I'm better friends with my pastor in California today than I was when I was serving as an elder there. That doesn't say much, but, you know, we're, we're best of friends. And Lori and I, we were called... I felt to plan a Calvary. Now, 
We thought it would be right where we live, which was in Turlock, California, which was about 15 miles away from Modesto. But God had other ideas. He moved us across country to beautiful North Alabama, Madison County, and we do love it here. But when you compare California to Alabama, here in Alabama there seems to be a church on every corner and they all have steeples. To find our lovely little building, you have to come down Teresa Drive, and here we are, a little piece of heaven at the end of the block. But the block is not so nice. But anyway. <laughs> but this metal building, it serves us well. We're grateful for it. And all we have to do is change the color, right, Steve? Well, that's all we need to do, just change the color. It does need painting, and we're, we're working on it. <laughs> but back to Jacob fleeing Laban. Before leaving town, before leaving Laban, Rachel, Laban's daughter, steals her dad's idols. And they were probably little golden icons of some sort. In that is a great warning to us. Whatever you worship... Whatever you make your God, make sure it can't be stolen. Word to live by, isn't it? Perhaps you're not into little idols. <laughs> and you think bigger things like real estate or houses. It's hard to steal a house or a piece of land, but it's still a possession. And so we have things that remind us all the time. We have tornadoes. We have earthquakes. We have wildfires. And in a moment, these things that we think are secure possessions, they can be taken away from us. So make sure that you're worshiping God, the living God that can never be taken away. Have you ever been to, say, a Chinese restaurant and there sits in a little corner, Buddha. But the owner of this little Buddha, he's got to care for his God. He's got to dust him off. He's got to clean him up. He's got to maintain his little Buddha so he looks good. I'm so glad that as a believer in the living God, that he takes care of me and I don't have to take care of him. Consider that. But Jacob, he sneaks off at the time of sheep shearing. He gathers all his family, his livestock, his camels, goats, sheep, tents, and everything else he has, and he's headed back towards Canaan. But in several days, the word reaches Laban, and Laban will pursue him. So let's pick it up in verse 22. And we'll go through 42. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey. And he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had, <clears throat> but God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob 
Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mountains of Gilead also. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with a sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and song, sure, with timbrel and harp. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do your harm, but the God of your father spoke to me last night, saying, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whomever you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of our brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went to Jacob's tent and Leah's tent and the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household's idols and put them in the camel's saddle and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of woman is with me. And he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren that we may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you, your ewe lambs and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beast I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day of drought, consumed me in the frost by night, and the sheep uh, departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house twenty years. I have served you fourteen years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. We have Laban. He is hotly, that means quick, <laughs> hotly pursuing Jacob. But God has warned Laban, and he warned him in a dream. God gives dreams, and it's one of God's ways of speaking to man, especially, it seems like, to a man that has no relationship with him as the living God. In verse 13, God tells Jacob in a dream, Arise, get out of this land, return to the land of your kindred. God also speaks to us who know him. But 
through dreams. Now God gives Laban a dream in verse 24, and Laban is warned by God in his dreams. Laban, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. That had to be extremely difficult for Laban. <laughs> you just gathered that his uh, personality demanded he speak his mind. But dreams are sometimes called nightmares because they're so frightening. Dreams can be very powerful. Allow me the liberty to paraphrase here a little bit. Laban, you had better be careful in your behavior and your words towards Jacob. In fact, Laban, you don't even speak good or bad, much less behave rudely or in a threatening way. You see, God has chosen Jacob. Jacob is God's chosen. He's the younger brother of Esau. God would not allow Isaac to bless Esau over Jacob. God would not allow Esau to harm Jacob when Esau wanted to kill him. And now God warns Laban, be careful Laban, not to touch or even speak bad of Jacob because he is chosen of me. That is protection. That is protection. Think of that. Laban can't even speak bad of Jacob. This, re this dream of Laban has been so real that he chooses his words very carefully with Jacob. And Jacob, he's not naive to Laban's intent. And Jacob now, realizing God's protection, he rebukes Laban. Verse 41, look, I served you 14 years for your daughters, now six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages 10 times. Somebody was keeping score. 10 times. <laughs> Verse 42, and now Laban, unless the God of my fathers Abraham and Isaac had been with me, you would have sent me away empty-handed. He's condemning Laban. Jacob realizes God has blessed him and is protecting him. Jacob realizes God has given Laban a dream of warning. God has actually rebuked Laban in a dream. And Jacob reminds Laban, he says, you better be careful here, Laban, lest you find the living God coming against you. God has told Jacob, go home, go home to your kindred. Jacob obeys. Never miss that. Jacob obeys. It's interesting to note, God has given Jacob not only the command to go home, but he has given him a desire to go home. And many times that's the way God works in our hearts and life. First he gives us the desire, then he brings it about, and we, we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. 
I believe God has been right in the middle of the conflicts between Jacob and Laban. He, God, has been causing Jacob to want, to desire, to leave. And God is not about to let Laban harm Jacob. He won't even let Laban speak bad to him. (laughs) Jacob is smack dab. You know what smack dab is? Jacob is smack dab in the middle of God's protection. (laughs) And all he's doing is obeying God. That's the safest place in the world for any believer in the middle of God's will. All the conniving, all the plotting by by Laban towards Jacob, but God's will prevails. Never lose sight of that. God's will prevails. It prevails in our world today. A few years back, um, there was an election down in Florida for our president, and I got all upset because they were tabs and they were holding these shads up to the light to see who voted for who and I'm complaining to the Lord Lord they're trying to steal the election (laughs) you know and God spoke to my heart and he says don't you think I put in office who I want in office I shut up God still controls the affairs of man but it's good for us to recognize God's hand in the affairs of our life. It's good to understand that God orchestrates all the circumstances in our life to get us into that place of obedience. That's what God desires out of us. He has good works for us, but we have to be obedient to walk in those good works. I think many of our trials, many of the unpleasant things that we go through are simply to give us a heart of obedience. Jacob, he has God's blessing. Jacob declares to Laban, God has seen my afflictions. The afflictions that you caused, Laban, God has seen them. And God sees what you and I go through. Don't ever, ever doubt that. God sees what we go through. He sees all the unfair things that come our way. He knows the broken promises that have been made to us. He even knows the abuse that many of us go through. He knows about the 20% pay cut that many of you have gone through. He knows about it. I read a brief little article about those three girls that were kidnapped and held prisoner as sex slaves for 10 years by that guy in Ohio. One of the girls writes and she says, and I'm trying to remember it best I can, I want to live my life helping others that have gone through similar things. And I thought, oh, wow, what a healthy attitude. But the point remains, are you going through a tough time? Are there things that are troubling you? 
We have created a beautiful little prayer closet back in the corner. We needed a place to pray. You know, you just can't pray anywhere. You got to have a place to pray. Joke. But anyway, we will have people after the service who will agree with you in prayer concerning anything. Are you sick? They'll anoint you with oil and pray for you. Do you have problems? They will agree with you in prayer. Take advantage of the opportunity to just agree with someone in prayer. Do that before you leave here today. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the example of Jacob. Jacob was not perfect, Lord. Jacob had his flaws, but you were watching out for him. Help us to understand how much you love us, how much you go before us, how much you orchestrate the events of our lives to bring us into that position of obedience with you. Help us to understand your ways are good ways for us, Lord, and that you have so many blessings for us if we will just be obedient to you. So create in us, Lord, a heart that desires to be obedient to you. That's our prayer here this morning, Lord. Just give us that heart that responds to you, loves you, and is obedient to you. And we pray and ask for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.